Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me, Sean Phelan. Thanks for checking out our show and don't forget we record these live for Facebook. So please check out our page facebook.com slash fybrugby as well as all of our other social channels. This week the RFU announced that the full contact 15-a-side rugby can return with adapted laws. So this week the RFU's Rugby Development Director Steve Granger returns to answer your questions about the laws, travel and facilities use. But first, it's just a few more weeks to go until Christmas, and supporters of our show, Rugby Store, have launched their Christmas gift guide for 2020, with everything the rugby fan in your life will really love this Christmas. From replica shirts to the latest training sash, or even a new pair of boots ready for rugby's return. Visit rugbystore.co.uk and check out their Christmas gift guide now. But don't forget to use our promo code FYBPOD at the checkout for 10% off. That's FYBPOD at rugbystore.co.uk. Now, let's get to our Q&A session with RFU Rugby Development Director, Steve Granger. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Uh, my name's Sean Phelan, and this is the Rugby Roundtable, coming to you a day early this week, uh, because there's been some news this week, and uh, we wanted to sort of allay or answer some questions and um, get some feedback and things like that uh, from the return to rugby. So joining us for the third time, I uh, really appreciate that he's given up his time. I'm going to get him a match ball for uh, coming on three times. <laughs> uh uh, it's Mr. Steve Granger, the RFU's Rugby Development Director. How are you, pal? Long week? I'm good, I'm good Sean. Yeah, it's been a long few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, but um, hey, we're there. We at least get yeah. to get uh, 15 aside rugby back on the pitch, which is great. 15 aside rugby, yes. Uh, welcome to everyone joining us on Twitter and YouTube, as well as Facebook. We normally do this on Facebook, uh, and then it becomes a podcast. But we thought, why not try and... Uh, let you all um, join in and get involved. So, um, Steve, you know, as you said, it's been a long process. Explaining a little bit about the process um, and how did we get to this point at this moment in time? Yeah, I mean, I think as um, as many of your uh, listeners and viewers know, we've we've been on a long journey here with with government. Clearly, when we um, came out of lockdown, we were optimistic that we would make progress along the uh, the, the return to rugby roadmap. We, we got back into uh, ready for rugby, non-contact, ten aside. Everybody was happy for a few weeks, and then clearly missing the uh, missing the contact and missing the big numbers. Moving into to September and October, um, we we engaged with government again, and it, it became really clear towards the the middle, the end of October, that there was still a lot of concern about the particularly about the scrum and the mall. And um, we, we, were, we were very, very close before we went into lockdown at the end of October, reaching a resolution, uh, continued the discussions through November and um, delighted to say this week that we, we got the final, um, the final sign off. You know, this is, this is quite a complex process, particularly for a sport like us inside government and the, 
the concern of the, the, the Chief Medical Officer's Office and Public Health England and, and everybody else. So delighted to say that we've, uh, it, it's not the, uh, you know, it's not the whole thing that many people were hoping for, but I think in the circumstances, definitely better than what we've uh, we've had. Absolutely, better than nothing. Um, a lot of people will ask why why now, um, and why not after Christmas, or why not? As you said, it was going to probably happen just before we went into lockdown, but but why now? Well, I mean, the, the first thing to be clear about is there's there's no compulsion that people have to go back. It's it's their choice. It's the club's choice. It's the players' choice about whether they they go back now, whether they go back post Christmas, whether they go back at the at the end of January. But we a um, couple of things really. We we wanted to be on the start line with the other team sports. So um, particularly with with football and and hockey, um, rugby league are in a bit of a break period, but but also with them. And we'd set ourselves the target that when we came out of lockdown and if outdoor team sport was allowed again, we needed to be on the starting line with those other sports. And I think the second thing is, is we know that many of our clubs um, and we know it's still going to be challenging in tier three and we'll, we'll probably touch on that in a moment. But many of our clubs want to get people back down to the club. They want to engage in some activity, particularly over the, the Christmas and New Year period. It's typically that time of year when, you know, a few of the old boys will get their boots out and uh, have a have a have a run around, and it's an opportunity for those clubs to to get a bit of revenue. Um, in many cases, probably behind the outside bar, but nonetheless, to to get people back down to the club. And you know, had we held that off until January, I think I think it would have been quite tough getting people back. Um, you know, post Christmas. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, for everyone watching, this is your show. So if you want to put questions to Steve, we've probably got about 25 minutes or so. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll try and get through as many as we can. Uh, but you know, please put some uh, questions in the comments uh, and we'll get to them as soon as we can. Uh, we're going to jump around here as well, obviously, because there's going to be questions coming in, hopefully thick and fast. But um, we are going to jump around on subjects. So um, if you didn't, if we don't get to your question, it's probably going to be asked at some point, um, if not you know, from from now on. So we're going to start. We're going to start now. Uh, we've had a few questions come in already. So Owen Connolly wants to know: Can players from Tier Two and Tier Three train together? Unfortunately, not. Um, so we've we've put some guidance up on our website. Uh, it's probably either going up now or has gone up in the last half an hour, or will do in the next half an hour. The, the government the government position is is very clear on this. Um, if you're in tier three, you, you cannot move outside of that tier area to play or to, to train. Um, if you're in tier two, uh, or the few people in the country, lucky souls that are in tier one in uh, pretty much Cornwall, the Isle of Wight and the Isles of Scilly, um, you can travel between tier one and tier two. So um, if you can travel from Surrey into Twickenham to, 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 to play and train, um, but you can't travel, for example, from um west yorkshire into north yorkshire so there's no movement outside of of tier three and that's not that's not a rugby issue that's a, a government team sport issue the same will apply for for football the same will apply for for hockey the the only exemption to that is um there are exemptions for under 18s government want to keep under 18s active and playing sport and there are exemptions for them to travel across tiers 
Uh, but our advice is is very strongly to say we, we would suggest that those under 18s adopt the same principles as adults. We, we really are in this together, whether we believe it or trust it or not. Um, our best chance of getting back to any further movement along and to back to full contact is, you know, let's demonstrate as a rugby community that we can we can follow these rules, we can abide by them, and hopefully we can um, we can see some rapid rapid transition through the through the tiers. Okay, great. Hopefully, Owen, that, that answers your question because I know you're uh, you're actually going to begin training in about twenty minutes. So hopefully, uh, we had to get your question in early. Um, this is from. Chris <laughs> I, hope, Ward. I hope that means a few people can still train and not the opposite. Yeah, hopefully, hope so, hope so. Fingers crossed. Uh, hi, Steve. Though most clubs would, of course, want to play on full-on rugby, but will now adapt the new revised laws, etc. Many were in the, in my opinion, waiting on a return to play at level D if not back to sea. Uh, knowing most were set up and adapted to that for clubs and training, coaching, kit sanitisation, uh, why have we? Why have the RFU up to level E uh, with most one week, uh, at most one weekend that they can jump into a match before, before they close down for um, three weeks over Christmas? Yeah, no, I mean, Chris, it's again, go back to what I said at the beginning. It's it's really entirely down to the club whether they want to do that or, or not. Um, I think it's a case of damned if you do and damned if you don't here. Had we not said, you, if we'd said you couldn't play matches until January, we'd have had a host of clubs, I think, complaining that they couldn't play over the over the Christmas period. But it really is down to clubs. If they don't want to play until January the 9th, January the 2nd, you know, December the 26th, 27th is entirely up to them. All we're saying is give yourself a couple of weeks and, and assess it yourself. You know what your players have been doing. If all your players have been doing nothing for the last four or five weeks at all, then you want to give yourself longer than two or three weeks, I'm sure. If your players have been keeping themselves active, if you're well engaged in contact training through September and October, um, what you're permitted to do, the opportunity is there to play a match if you want to. But None of the new cluster competitions that we've had a fantastic sign-up from clubs across the country for, they won't kick in until January the 16th at the earliest. But this is just to give clubs, you know, two clubs down the road from each other, if they want to get together that week before Christmas and you know play a match, roll in subs, just get guys, girls back on the park, we, we, it, the opportunity is, uh, is there. Uh, thank you, Chris. Hope that answers that one. Uh, Andrew Herbert, any ongoing talks to get scrums and malls back for twenty one twenty two? Uh Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I, I'd be very optimistic. Or even, even would it be 2020, 2021? Well, in, in, the, in the current season, the 2021 season, um, we, we've left the door open to say if, if a lot more um, areas of the country go back into Tier 1, and it probably needs that to give us a, a, a good go. You can see a transition potentially, and we'll have to go back to government and get permissions, but you can see a transition maybe back through the the Allianz Premier 15s laws that have been used in the, the top end yeah. of the women's game, and then hopefully back to full contact by the end of the season. But this is all going to depend on more and more of the country going back into, into Tier 1. And certainly for next season, 21-22, well, good grief! I, I, you know, I really hope. I, I mean, I hope that by the end of the twenty twenty one season, 
the, the goal must be that all our players have, have played at least one or two games of contact rugby, full contact rugby by then. Uh, great. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I hope that answered that one. Uh, let's go to Manchester Rugby Club. How will the government funding announced a couple of weeks ago be distributed uh, amongst community clubs? Yeah, yeah, great question. And um, <clears throat> again, uh, we've, we've, we've got some discussions actually tomorrow with, uh, with DCMS government and, and Sport England to, to progress that. Um, just to be clear, that, that funding uh, was made available because of the lack of ability to get spectators in to matches between the 1st of October and the 31st of March. So it's not a handout. It's it's up to 23 million quid, which is a huge sum of money to support our community clubs with that that lost revenue and hence lost investment in the sport. So there'll, there'll definitely be an application process. Um, we, we, we think that what's going to happen is government will hand that money probably to Sport England, who will then hand that money and responsibility to us to distribute to clubs and to handle those applications. Um, Deloitte are, are heavily involved in the process. It's, it's government money, it's public funding. So there's, there's going to be hopefully not too complicated a process, but there's going to be a process. And, and it's built really on spectators that would have come to the match. And, and spectators aren't necessarily, in our eyes, certainly people that have paid and bought a ticket to come into the ground. They're people that have come to watch rugby. And while they're there, have spent money behind the bar on, on, on food um, and, and also potentially lost revenue maybe from local sponsors who haven't paid for the advertising hoardings this year because there's nobody to look at them. So you can see a process where clubs will be asked to calculate that lost revenue and then hopefully um, the money will flow through quite quite quickly. Lovely. Thank you, Manchester Rugby Club. I hope that answers that. Um, let's go to Julie. Uh, any news on when... Uh, safeguarding courses may return. Um, yeah, so that on, on uh, I can't answer specifically on safeguarding, but the majority of our training courses will return from from January. Um, but um, Julie, if you want to, in fact, any of the listeners, if you don't get questions answered tonight, or you've got any more, we'd really encourage you to go to englandrugby.com forward slash coronavirus. When you get there, head to the frequently asked questions. If your if your question isn't answered on there, please just there's a button you can press. Ping that into us. That helps us answer those questions and get those up on the up on the FAQs. So I, I can't give you a definitive answer now, but I would say top side of Christmas. I would think. Uh, there's a link there. Uh, if anyone. Oh, brilliant! Thank wants you. To use it. Uh, not a problem. We'll, uh, we'll we'll pop that up a bit later as well. Um, thank you, Julie. Hope this, hope that helps. Uh, we just talked about uh, tier two players and tier three players not training together. How about tier three players training in an in an adjacent tier three area? And unfortunately, not. No, that's one we've we've been um, been in extensive dialogue last twenty four hours on that with with government. It's very clear. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate: this isn't just a rugby issue. This is this is any any sport. You know, a golfer is not allowed to go and play golf in a an adjacent tier three uh, area. Um, so this isn't just about team sport. The the whole focus of this is to try and keep 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 people 
as contained as as possible um particularly for us where we need to remember that the exemption that we have on the field of play is basically to breach social distancing and breach the rule of uh, the rule of six so you you can't go and go and train there again there are exemptions there for for, for under 18s um it's also possible for volunteers and coaches um to to move across tiers in order to keep the activity happening but when they're there they must remain clearly socially socially distanced um and our advice again is is try and minimize that as much as you can you know unless there's a need to go as a volunteer into a face-to-face -face environment continue doing this stuff virtually if you if you can for a while thanks vicky hopefully that will help or not help uh should we just pick sorry uh, sean there's just a second one from vicky there yeah, that vicky, maybe, yeah. which which is confused which which is causing some challenges and she uses vicky used a really good example there with west yorkshire so yeah. if, if anyone's uh, in any doubt it, for the benefit of the podcast oh sorry uh, let's, <laughs> let's read that one out <laughs> if anyone downloads it i should add in add many of our players uh across a county local authority border to play as we are on the edge of west yorkshire yeah so if, if the, the best place to go if you if you're unsure about this is have a look at, on the government website there's a full list of all the tiers uh, all the local authority areas and which tier they're in and it gets a bit confusing and it confused us so you have to go with the area that's listed so west yorkshire is a good example west yorkshire is listed as west yorkshire so our understanding is clear you can go from the west side of bradford to the east side of Leeds and down into Wakefield. But you can't go into South Yorkshire or North Yorkshire or Greater Manchester at the other side. If you go up into the northeast, um, the Tees Valley, for example, where there are five local authority areas, Middlesbrough, Stockton, Hartlepool, Redcar and Cleveland and Darlington, you have to stay within each of those. You can't move across the five of them. So there's some real challenges for some clubs up in up in that that area. I come from the northeast originally, and in Redcar and Cleveland, I think the boundaries have moved. But I think there's only the two clubs I played for when I was up there: Redcar and Gisborough. Um, I think they're probably the only two clubs in Redcar and Cleveland itself. Um, so there's there's going to be a bit of rivalry there for a while until <laughs> hopefully they can they can drop into another tier. So this is. It's mainly in the north where governments seem to have isolated individual authorities. I think the only real exception in the south is Slough. So the rest of Berkshire are in tier two, but Slough itself is in is in tier three. So it's 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 challenging, but it's there for a reason, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to keep us safe. Thank you, Vicky. Uh, Darren, how much testing has been done on the law adaptations? I can see there will be a few issues when multiple players are required to tackle a single ball carrier. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Darren, as you probably understand, we weren't able to do any testing on them because, um, you know, you're in a position where we weren't able to go into any contact. We we did test some of them out with other unions in other parts of the world, um, a bit like we did with, with Ready for Rugby. Um, and we are doing some um, sort of soft uh, trials is too strong a word because you wouldn't trial it, but you might still adapt it on the Isle of Wight this weekend with a with a with a couple of clubs. 
Um, a lot of this, I think, is going to come down to, to law interpretation. Um, and for any of the, the sort of more technically minded people on the call, we've, um, we'll be putting a few webinars live over the next few days. And again, all the details on those will be at englandrugby.com. Um, have a look at that because they're going to deal with uh, the, the technical side of it for coaches and referees and um, the sort of law interpretation uh, that's, that's, that's there. But great question. How much of the Premier 15s uh, was a, an input on the, the rule adaptations or law adaptations? Yeah, some of them. I mean, cl clearly they they are still they are still scrummaging, um, and, and and clearly we we can't. So the, the the main without the scrum and without the mall, the other main adaptation we've made is around the the line out. So minimum five, maximum seven, for two reasons really. One to um to try and keep the forwards as engaged in the game as we can. We recognise that there are some big big challenges there. Um, and secondly, to just make sure that we don't sort of overpower the back line. You know, it could get a bit messy if we start having two and three person line outs and you start having, you know, a pile of additional people in the in the in the centres. Okay. Um sort of on that then. Um props. And uh us fat boys in the second row. Uh, there's not gonna be much for us to do, is there? My whole game, my whole game is based around uh, standing there and building a mall around me. Um, well, maybe you can uh, maybe, maybe you can upskill a bit, Sean, over the next oh, few maybe. weeks. Learn a, learn maybe. a few of these, you know, these things called skills. But um, oh. <laughs> no, we look, we understand and appreciate it's a it's a biggest challenge. It's probably my, and I think I've been on record the last few weeks. It's probably my greatest fear, um, and the fear is born out of the fact that. We know we've got some really experienced front row players that over the next 18 months to two years would probably have been thinking about giving up. And yeah. we need them in the game for the next 18 months, two years, because we need them to pass their skills and experience and dark art and everything else that goes with it onto the younger generation coming through. So it's a it's a genuine, real, real concern. And, um, you know, I've heard some horror stories the last few weeks about coaches saying, well, we, you know, we just won't play our front row. Well, I just think it's foolish because those guys, if you don't play them, they're, they're going to walk away from the game, right? And yeah. then come the end of the season when hopefully we can play again and you can't fulfil a fixture because your front row have gone. So, you know, let's let's do this in the spirit in which it's intended. Let's let's keep our our front rows um, and our locks on the on on the park. Um, Let's try and engage with the opposition and not to make sure that we both we both do Yeah, exactly. Not have a team of fifteen back rowers. Yeah, let's be sensible on this. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. Let's go. So this question we've already asked about can tier two play in tier three? The answer is no. Can you organise a match between a? Tier three club. I'm guessing uh, you're in the tier two, and we've already sort of covered that. No, you can't. Yeah, the, uh, the only thing you can do is you can organise a match with a club in the same in the same geographic tier as you. So, Greater Manchester can't play Blackpool, even though they're both in tier three. But you can play within Greater Manchester or within Blackpool. Yeah. 
Thank you for that question. There's not a name on there, but Steve 390. Uh, Lee Goodall, just to follow up on the cluster groups, uh, when will we find out who is in and who is out? If, yeah. for example, 50% have opted out, will there be a review of the clusters and more fixtures be available? Otherwise, clubs may only have four to six games to play. Good question. Yeah, and I mean, Lee, we had a phenomenal response. We had over a thousand clubs, so the vast majority of clubs did did sign up to take to take part. Um, what the guys have been doing today, and will continue tomorrow, and possibly into into Friday, because it's a big exercise now, is to look at which tiers those clubs are are in, um, and we we probably will need to to to, to tweak it a little bit um, because we're going to have to reflect that. And we're also maybe going to have to consider um, situation where I mean that example I gave you up in the up in the northeast where there are only a couple of clubs in one area. Um, the, 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 with the cluster groups not starting until the middle of January, you know there is there is the potential that if everyone up there behaves, that mm -hmm. might re increase from tier three to tier two, in which case it will be okay. And we're also looking to see. You know how much you could leave it beyond January the sixteenth to start, because because what's clear is that as we go through January and February, if we if we do behave and if things do come down and if the vaccine starts, more and more of us will will end up in tier two rather than tier three, and at that point we can we can kick off. So I would say in the next week or two we'll we'll have more information out on on that. But the aim definitely is to to tweak the clusters if we need to based on who's uh, who's signed up and who can play each other thank you lee good question uh let's uh what we've we got here mark has uh, i guess we've all we've covered this a few times uh has guidance about traveling to matches been announced by the rfu um, I presume here we mean travelling to play in matches. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, in very simple terms, that's that's contained in the guidance that's gone up tonight. But it is back to that position. You, you know, you can't travel. If you're in Tier 3, you can't travel outside your, tier, excuse me, your Tier 3 area. Um, if you're in Tier 1 or 2, you can't travel into a Tier 3 area to, to play. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, right, here we go. Uh, Rhoda Bentley, is there any more guidance about the younger kids wearing gloves, especially with the weather getting colder? So, yes, um, uh, Rhoda, again, if you if you go into that englandrugby.com coronavirus, that we updated that probably, I was going to say a few weeks ago, but it was obviously before that because it was before we went into lockdown, probably two <laughs> months or so ago, which did make it clear that they, they can wear gloves. But again, the advice is multiple pairs and 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 change them, um, change them through the you know through the through the pro through the process as much as you can, which is the same as all all equipment. Uh, oh, Mark's returned with a with a follow up to his question. More to do with numbers yeah. in the vehicle. Yeah, single no no car sharing. No car sharing at all. Um, that's that's not just a gov it's not just a rugby issue. It's not just a sport issue. That's uh, that's the government position um, per se. Uh, and it's fair to say that the you know whilst I said earlier there were big concerns from the deputy chief medical officer Jonathan Van Tam and his office about the scrum and the mall, there were massive concerns about what they call pre and post match 
So traveling to and from the match, changing, that sort of stuff. So it's really important we 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 stick with this. So no no car sharing. This hasn't been asked yet, but uh, the use of changing rooms, is that out of bounds? No, um, we've, we've managed to keep that in and get that over the oh, line, um, which was a big, a big again, another big, big challenge. Um, so changing rooms and showers can be used in all three tiers, um, but it's going to be up to the club or the facility provider. So where, where it's the rugby club, it's their decision. If the club is using local authority facilities or school facilities, it's at the total discretion of that, that operator, whether they choose to, to open them. And then social distancing is the key thing. So don't expect to see a whole team of 15 in a changing room at once. And the other key stipulation is they're there purely to be used for changing. No team talks, no post-match celebrations. Um, you know, unfortunately, if we do do that and we do get caught, the other thing in the government guidance they've made really clear is if if we can't control the situation, government will have no hesitation in just reneging the permission to play. And that'd be a, you know, that'd be pretty tough for all of us that have worked blooming hard to get this back. Um, so it's really up to the club to say, how big's our changing room? If we keep everybody two metres apart, how many people can we get in? And we just got to operate a quick and rapid shift system. Thanks, Steve. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, so we'll uh, rattle through a couple of these. Um, Dartford Rugby Club, uh, Peter, sorry if I missed it. Uh, it didn't come through until now. Uh, we have some new players joining the club over the next two weeks, currently at other clubs. Uh, they've got a President's versus Chairman's game on the 19th. Will a potential move to Tier 2 on the 16th make a difference to the answer? So I'm guessing the question is, can new players join? So it's all about where you where you live, really. So if you currently, uh, Dartford is in tier three. So if these new players live in Kent and Medway, then they can absolutely come and join you and they can play. If they live over the border in Essex or in one of the London boroughs and uh, tier two or in Sussex or one of the neighbouring tier two areas, they, they can't come into your club until you go back to, to tier two. So if they do live in Essex, they can't come into you until the point at which you go into tier two. So if that was the 16th, if you did get, um, I don't know if it's, prom it's promoted, isn't it? Not relegated, escalated. If you get escalated to tier two on the 16th, then yes, after that, as we understand it at the moment, they could come to you on the, on the 19th. Thank you, Peter. Um, we've got time for one more. Let's do one more. I don't want to keep all of your evening, uh, Steve. Uh, You're okay. I'm, I'm okay for a few Mark, minutes, um, Sean. Name? If you want to carry on. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's let's uh, let's crack on then for a minute. Uh, how do you see the travelling and tier restrictions applying to referees? Limited number already, and only maybe one in the area. Yeah, it's a great it's a great question, Mark. So they they are covered off in the exemptions um, of volunteers. So there, it is permissible. For a referee to um, to to go from from one area to another again, you know we would really strongly discourage it. Particularly, not being rude to referees, but particularly looking at the age profile and the, the vulnerability profile of our of our refs. You know, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather try and make do if we can for six weeks than 
and lose a ref for forever because of a you know a, a catching the virus and 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 there being consequences. But but yes, you know they they can travel for the purpose of of refereeing. Uh, thank you, Mark. There's a, a follow up from uh, Peter on the was in was that intra games are allowed, but if players are registered with other clubs, can they play? Yes, I mean, if it's an intra-club game, as long as they are in that same tier. So if they're registered and actively training with a um, a, a tier two club, they can't go into a tier three club. But if they're um, if they're currently playing, was this the just to was this the oh, Dartford yeah. one? Yeah. So if they're playing for another um, Kent club at the moment, and they. Um, they they come to you. They can then play for you as long as they're in the same tier. So if you if you're a Dover player at the moment or a Folkestone player, I know it's the wrong end of Kent, but you know what I mean. Yes, you can come and play for you in the same tier um, in the in these dates. Hopefully that clears that up for you, Peter. Uh, Gary asks, can we allow people to have a beer outside the clubhouse? This is going to be the big one. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless I mean, unless you're in tier three. So in tier three, all all bars have to have to shut per, per se. Um, but in the other tiers, um, you can serve. Um, you can serve outside, and I mean, you can in tier two or one. You you can still serve in in tier two. You can still serve inside as long as it's with a. Uh, I was going to say a Scotch egg then, but I better as long as it's with a as long as it's with a substantial meal. But the challenge of that, if we're honest, is you know you know the regulations inside in a restaurant. You have to operate the same. So I was on a call last night, and somebody said, "So the guys after the the match could sit down and have a pasta meal." And I'm like, "Well, they could, but they're all from different households, so they'd all have to be on single tables, two meters apart." So it's going to be pretty challenging. So, yeah, the, the basic thing is do as much as you can out outside. Great question, Gary. Uh, here we go. All right. Lisa, how can we maintain social distancing in change room with the younger players? Unless you are physically standing in the room making sure this happens, it's not going to happen, I don't think. No, well, the, the simple thing, Lisa, is probably just don't don't let them use them. Then, I mean, that's 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 going to be that's going to be the the, the reality. Um, and I and appreciate the the safeguarding issues and everything else, but we can't, you know, you just can't tip a whole pile of young players into a into a changing room. Um, you know, I think this is probably going to be more match play, isn't it? You know, after really seriously wet, you know, wet weather, um, and, and judging on. You know, many clubs on a Sunday morning, minis and juniors anyway, the majority of them probably don't use the changing room because there's so many of them and such small, small changing room space. But it's it's your ultimately it's your call about what you can manage in your club. But that's the that's the government position. Uh, Lisa has a, a follow up. Is there a limited amount of people allowed on the premises? So no, again, spectators-wise, so no, no tier three, no spectators at all at matches. Tier two um, and tier one, you 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 can have spectators, and it's up to fifty percent of your capacity. But bearing in mind that's got to be socially distanced. So if your ground capacity currently is, let's say, a thousand, because you've got to stand, 
the maximum you could have is 500. But in reality, because at tier two, they've, they've got to be socially distanced, you've got to work out how many you can get in. And it's probably going to be, you know, closer to 200 or so. But on the site itself, it's really your call as a club to work out how many people you can get in, depending on the tier you're in, socially distanced, groups of six, et cetera. Um, you know, my only caution on this is it's going to be really, it's really difficult for clubs to manage. So absolutely, we want you to open your doors and we want people to come back in and you will, but it's a big volunteer burden and it, you know, it needs to obviously be, be thought through properly by you at your clubs. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Mark, is the removal of scrums and malls mainly be to do with the amount of testing available at grassroots level? It's, it's, it's obviously linked to that, but I mean, the, the main removal is just due to the fact that the, um, the, there's too much – when you assess the exposure risk, so you analyse all the movements in a game and you look at the amount of time that people are within what they call close contact – so sort of close face-to-face, and you have to count it all up. And if you get over a certain amount, it turns it red. And, and basically, they don't want any red on the, on the page. Um, and, and there's no way you could test at a grassroots level with the number of players. The cost of it would just be, be unbelievably prohibitive. So, yes, if cheap, reliable tests were available that absolutely did it, then, then you, you, there's an argument just like the professional game, that we could come back. But, you know, it's costing the professional clubs tens of thousands of pounds each week to, to test. Uh, Mark has a second uh, question. We have a player that lives in Tier 1, the Isle of Wight, and plays for us in Portsmouth, Tiers 2. Can she yep. travel across to play and train? So we've, yep. we've answered the first one where you, can go between, you can't go between Tier 2 and Tier 3. Um, tier 1 and 2 is fine. Movement between Tier 1 and 2 is okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I think that's all we've got at the moment. Um, so I think that's a perfect place to, to end for now. Sean, there's just one there about um, from Kerem, just above Kerem. Mark. Oh, Okay, yeah, yeah, I've just got that. Here we go. Right. Uh, with the government allowing fans to go and watch games, I presume this also counts for a rugby, why doesn't the RFU allow small clubs that are struggling to go and view instead? Uh, I presume, Kerem, that you're meaning um, are you meaning at Twickenham there. Um, if you're meaning at Twickenham this weekend, then you know we can have two thousand fans at Twickenham this weekend. That's that. That's it. Um, we've we've actually donated twenty percent of those tickets to the um, to the NHS. So we've got four hundred NHS people in. Um, we've made the rest of the tickets available um, for for sort of public sale. But what you can't do is travel from a tier three, a tier three area. Now, needless to say, they've been snapped up very quickly. And we've also had to demonstrate to government that we've done everything we can to make sure that those tickets are going to as local as possible a population. Even with 2000 government sphere is people are going to travel from all over the country so that we've had quite a lot of restrictions put on us in terms of where we can where we can go there. All right, that's Great. Thank you, Kareem. Uh, quickly, uh, the government website states that limited travel in Tier 3. Can you confirm if travel for AGR is permitted between clubs to play development games? This goes against advice. Uh, I think yeah, we, 
you, you, you can you can do that. I mean, the advice is to limit travel, um, but by limit, it means keep, reduce it as much as you can. But there is a recognition from government that involvement in sport is important. They need to keep people active and doing stuff. So, yes, you can travel within the tier. Um, Lisa's back with another question, and, and this is one actually I was going to ask. Are, are the games going to be adult games going to be 18 minutes long or 70 minutes like the, the Premier 15s? Or is it yeah. up to you? You can it's, interpret however long. So the, it's a good question, and we've, we've just actually been discussing it discussing it today. Um, it's entirely up to you. So the game, we're going to try and use the game on principles, which is basically get a game played. If somebody turns up with 13 players, play it. If you want to bring it down to 70 minutes or 60 minutes, bring it bring it down to 70 minutes or 60 minutes. We're, we're probably going to... One of the concerns, clearly, is that with a faster game and with more tackles, there's potentially a greater risk of injury and a greater risk of concussion. Um, that's that's a lie. It's a lie. Well, I did I say nothing of exhaustion. <laughs> Rolling subs, come on, you'll be fine. You can come on and off. But yes, you're right. Um, so we, 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 we'll monitor it for a while. Um, you know, we don't want to stipulate 70 right now, but it, but it might it might come in at some point in reality. Okay, so Lisa's question is, uh, I'm guessing this is for mini and junior game, is the two times 10 minutes just for training or actual game time? No, that's, so that's, that's our, our position is that within a training session, you should only do two 10-minute blocks of, of contact training. The other thing government are really concerned about is, you know, people who train twice a week and play once a week, there's probably, if they do contact training for an hour, three times a week, there's a greater risk. So we've been asked to minimise, particularly in tier three, the amount of contact training. So two times 10 minutes is just in training. You can uh, you can play the full 80 minute game as it is at the moment. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Uh Stockton RFC have clarified something on the tier three government guidance for outside of the the use of your outside grounds. Um, so have a read of that. Thank you. To yeah. Them. Yeah, that the one on the, the the Stockton one there. What we the the difference is so so groups of six can go down and can meet at the rugby club but can't spectate at a match. There's, at a match, there's no spectators. And you might argue, what's the difference between five groups of six going down midweek to have a chat and do some whatever, and 30 people rocking up on a Saturday? What government are concerned about is that, again, um, spectating at a match brings on a bit of tribalism. People get a bit close together. Um, people will end up taking a few beers down and having a few beers. People end up shouting at each other, you know, in, in in jest as well as in anger. And we all know that shouting, playing close contact, is a is a is a risk. So the, the the rule's simple, agree with it or not, but there are no spectators at at matches. Lovely. Uh forty minutes. I think that's uh I think that's I think that's a good time to to call it a night uh steve look we've done three of these with you now i have to no thank you so much for uh coming on each time and giving up your time and um you know giving us the the answers that people wanted to hear and uh i just want to you know congratulate you and your team for for getting us to this point and you know can't wait to take a hit again and get back playing rugby and 
Um, I'm sure everyone here is watching is you know is also thankful of of your time as well. No problem at all. Thanks for having us on, Sean, and thanks for some great questions. Happy to happy to do it anytime. Communication's the key at the moment. So thanks for the opportunity. Cheers. Oh no, no, thank you. Uh thank Melissa, thank everyone at England Rugby for for letting us be the ones that did this again. Um so yeah, so thank you very much for joining us. Um there's been a lot of you watching. Uh, I can see there's been a lot of you watching, which is really, really cool. Uh so you know, keep an eye on englandrugby.com slash coronavirus. Um, that will have all the latest guidance, all the latest uh updates. Um uh Steve will be back, I'm sure, and we'll we'll do more of these. But um, so yeah, just wanna thank you all for watching. Go check out Philly uh, fybrugby.com if you've not if you don't know who we are and uh you don't know what we do, but you know, follow us on everything else. Uh cool. Cheers. Thanks everybody. Thanks. Take care. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Thanks again to Steve Granger for joining me and answering your questions. And a huge thanks again to Rugby Store for supporting our show. Don't forget to get 10% off your order at rugbystore.co.uk when you use the promo code FYBPOD. And for more information on Philly Boots, please visit fybrugby.com. My name is Sean Phelan and you've been listening to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable.